Welcome to the Sports Business Podcast. I am your host, Eric Compton, a.k.a. Mr. Town Business. And as always, I got my co-host, my battle buddy, brother from another mother, the one and only Mr. Brian Bearfield, a.k.a. Big Sarge. Hey, what's going on, y'all? How y'all doing? Hey, man, we missed you last week. But, man, one thing I got to do before we get into nitty-gritty, man, is just give you a big shout-out, bro, because work, what you do work is not even considered work. Like, you out here living a lifestyle, man. So, shout-out to you for doing Man, like you all over it, almost practically on every airway about there in Houston, Texas, man. Man, I'm trying to be. I'm sleeping right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, we definitely, uh, we're not going to take your time for granted. So I know you got a lot of different moving pieces going on and, you know, a couple of team assignments that you got going on. So, you know, let's just jump right into it, man. So uh, first things first, man, it kind of caught my eye. I think what we're going to do is just kind of cover all the bases, man. Um, in the sporting world, there's a... Uh, you know, we'll just head on over to my neck of the woods, the Bay Area, man. And I don't know if he was able to catch the Clippers and the Warriors game last week, but the Warriors was, they, you know, Steph Curry's out with a groin injury right now. And it was his first game out. And Draymond Green uh, and uh, Sean Livingston actually came back from their injuries as well. So this is actually the first time, you know, kind of getting back to get uh, their, their games back together. And, you know, they looked a little sluggish coming out of the gates for the whole game. And uh, Clay Thompson was able to bring him back. Kevin Durant had a uh, triple double. But uh, right at the end of regulation, the game was tied and Draymond Green gets a rebound and Kevin Durant's adamantly just slapping his hand saying, give me the ball. Um, a la, you know, NBA game four, game three of last year where he sat there and drove the ball up and hit the dagger. So I'm thinking KD is going to do it again. And Draymond Green like takes the ball and just like runs into some like Montrez Harrell at the other side of the baseline. And the game goes into overtime and the Warriors ultimately lose um, after Kevin Durant fouled out of the game, man. And, uh, Looks like they had to get, uh, they ended up getting into it and then they, uh, you know, had somewhat of a dust up and, you know, they both teams, you know, both parties had to be isolated. And at the end of the game, they said that the whole, you know, circus ended up uh, carrying over to the locker room, man. So, you know, uh, needless to say, Draymond Green is actually suspended for tonight's game against the Hawks at home tonight, man. What's going on, bro? Uh, so I think that they've gotten to the point where Draymond is ready to go. Draymond has gotten to the point where he feels like he is bigger or he, he's getting bigger. And it's really crazy because I never took a blue collar worker like Draymond to get to this point. And so, uh, you know, with Draymond, with, um, with Steph Curry out, you know, everyone, everyone on that, you know, that Steph Curry is the leader. Once he goes out, they all start jockeying for who's, who's going to be the leader tonight. And it's really supposed to be KD. Like KD is supposed to be the leader. As soon as as soon as Steph Curry goes out, it's supposed to be KD. But Draymond is saying to himself, well, "What about me?" And Clay don't really care because I mean, you know, Clay just Clay just runs around and just hope he doesn't get drug tested. So <laughs> that, <laughs> you know, Jackie Clay Moore. just be like, "Hey, look, I don't care what you dudes do, as long as when this game over, I'm out. I ain't doing no press conferences. I'm gone because I ain't I ran out of golden seal yesterday. So." <laughs> He ain't trying. He not trying to do all that. But um, Draymond was wrong, man. Draymond. Draymond should have given the ball to Kevin Durant. There's a better percentage of Kevin Durant hitting the game when it shot than Draymond trying to drive all the way down and throw up some fluky like layup or things like that. So that was all. That's all on Draymond, man. I don't know if you remember me telling you this earlier in the year. I would not be surprised because he's a free agent after this year, right? Next year. 
next year? Yeah, they were trying to sign him this year to see if he would. They were trying to get everybody on the books this year at the end of this last championship so they could take a run at KD. But both Clay and Draymond both opted out and said that they want to uh, uh, get a bigger deal is what they were trying to do. So they were trying to see if they would take a hometown home team discount. But right now, both of them saying they want to get cashed out. Um, it looked like Clay was more closer to signing that deal than Draymond was, but it looks like um, Drake Clay comes off the books this year and Draymond comes off the books next year. I wouldn't be surprised if Draymond, I've said this on more than one occasion. I wouldn't be surprised if Draymond became a Laker. Let me let me ask you this, uh, BB, and, and here's my thing, and I don't know if you got to listen to the show that I did with uh, Coach Bo Davis last week at Armstrong Atlanta State. Um, I sat there and said, man, like this is probably that last year. What was that, 98 when the Bulls, the Bulls six championship where you just knew that it was the end of their time and like everybody kind of went their own ways and Jordan retired, Phil retired. I think Pippen went to the Rockets first into the Trailblazers. Um, I think, you know, I think the course is ran, you know, it's the, it's the wars around the course. I'd be very surprised if Draymond stays, but here's the kicker, BB. And I said this last week, man, there's a $5 million insurance policy that's sitting on the sidelines of the Golden State Warriors, man, that can do a lot of the things that Draymond Green can do. And if not shoot the ball better than Draymond Green. So, you know, with that $5 million insurance policy that's out there, AKA Boogie Cousins, um, it kind of gives the Warriors a little bit of a leeway of saying, okay, Draymond, if you sit there and think that you that big and bad, not to mention, we're the, we're the team that kind of made you. Um, there's an insurance policy that's sitting right there at the end of the bench that uh, we're waiting to uh, to cash in if that needs to happen. So, you know. You mean this year, though, right? Just this, this year. year. Well, not yeah. this year and next year, because, you know, worst case scenario, if they can't, you know, if, if they can't keep Clay or, you know, somehow Draymond's just, you know, the, these outbursts where Draymond gets more, you know, annoying and they, you know, they're suspending him even more games, then, you know, they might sit and try to either A, trade him or, you know, B, you know, buy him out. So, I don't, um, think, it, I don't think they can sign. I don't think they can re-sign Boogie though, and I, well, and I think it's isn't it a rule where like because they got him at the league minimum like that that uh, next year they they can't re-sign him for it's like some funny rule, right? Well, here's the thing, and here's what the words are banking on. They're, they're hoping the salary cap jumps up again next year, which league sources are saying that the salary cap is supposed to jump up. So the ideal situation is. Boogie ain't like there's an 85% chance that Boogie ain't staying regardless just due to the fact that the way they want to do is they want to take care of Clay, Steph and Draymond first before they are able to keep Boogie. Now somehow Clay or KD and Clay both leave then you can sign Boogie to that max deal. You feel me? You see what I'm saying? So yeah, um, there's a lot of different pieces but I think I think right now you know I would say coming from a a Golden State Warriors perspective man I would say this is almost a little deal to no deal at all. Um, You know Clay, uh, Draymond and KD are really, really good. Like, they're really, really close, man. So, you know, I think it's just two brothers just having it. But, yeah, I definitely think Draymond at the same time is smelling himself a little bit too much. Granted, Draymond Green's my favorite player in the NBA. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, that dude's a dog. And the things that he's able to do on the court definitely goes, un- you know, it can't go unnoticed. But at the same time, Draymond, you got to, he has to know his place as well. Uh, and it's, it's probably to the point where it is it's four years in a row that they've been in the finals trying to go for a fifth year. You know, probably, them dudes are probably just tired of Draymond just always talking. You feel me? Yeah, exactly. So I think that's what's going to happen. But if I had to say on a scale of one to two, ten on how panicked I am, it's probably at a two, man. It's not, you know, it's not a big deal. I'm pretty sure sitting out this game, Draymond, the, the, the fire that he has of being able to sit out this game will probably humble himself a little bit better. And at the same time, this is, you know, I think this is the one way of uh, effort for the Warriors just unveiling the red carpet for KD because essentially, I think in any other situation, I would have suspended both players. But being the fact that they want to keep KD so bad, man, they got to do whatever they got to do. And, you know, they, I think suspending Draymond and keeping KD on the court is just another perk of just showing KD on how much they want him to stay.
Yeah, exactly. So, I think, but they're not going to be able to keep KD, man. I'm going to tell you this right now. I don't. It's KD. KD likes the hoop, and now he's getting to the point now where I think it's becoming entirely too easy in Golden State. So he's going to end up somewhere else where he can just go and just hoop. But he's not going to end up somewhere where he's going to be the leader. Remember that. Mm-hmm. So if you had to guess, KD can go. He can go either New York, Brooklyn, LA, Toronto, maybe. Where do you think KD would land end up at next year? If you had a guess. So here's the thing. You may laugh at me. I got two destinations that I think that he should go to and I think that he would be great at. I don't know if, you know, this may sound crazy. It just may be wishful thinking, but I would wish and hope that he would go back to OKC to make it right like how LeBron did with Cleveland. Mm. That would be great. And I think that him and Russell could work it out, especially with Paul George being the mediator. And then also, um, KD, KD could possibly land in Houston. They have the money for him. And he doesn't have to be the listen. He doesn't have to be the leader. James Harden will be the leader. He reunite with James. Him and James don't have a problem with each other. So that would be that. That would be a good place to land, or maybe L.A. Maybe. Here's the thing about L.A. Man, and I well, I was going to actually say that to the back part of the show, but since you kind of brought it in, I can still put it on the back part of the show. So, anywho's, um, here's the thing about L.A. I don't think L.A. is just that that bomb diggity bomb destination anymore, whether that's the Clippers or the Lakers. And the reason why I say this, BB, is because I don't know if I, I got to see LA a lot. I've probably seen about five, maybe six games with LA. Um, they're not just that, they're just not that good. And I it's crazy to say this that LeBron James, and you and I talked about this last week on one of your shows, LeBron James is throwing up good numbers. But they're not like LeBron James numbers. I think he's averaging like 27 and 7 and 7. So 27.7 boards and 7 assists. But they're not like the LeBron James of maybe even last year's 27, 7 and 7. You feel me? You see what I'm saying? Like his hands aren't mm-hmm. all over the game. It's just like they're just kind of like the numbers are somewhat inflated. And here's another thing. Like if KD goes to the Lakers, that means are you moving out Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma? I mean, there's a lot of moving pieces that you got to look at at that because – you know, me personally, I'm going to say this out right in front. I don't think Brandon Ingram's that good. Like, he reminds me a little kid of a little bit of Andrew Wiggins that can do a little bit more. But I don't see that dog in, 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 uh, in Brandon Ingram. So, you know, do you move him off to the bench or do you move him to a, a different destination? Like, do you do a sign and trade? But, you know, I think there's just too many. There's too many. Something about the, the, the team of L.A. is just I don't think that's a team that's either. Even, even if you do plug in KD, that that team's ready to win immediately. Yeah, um, so a couple of things. One, I don't think that Brand I think that Brandon Ingram needs like thirteen quick punches to the chest to toughen him up. That's the first mm-hmm. thing. Second thing is um, <laughs> he has a dynamic skill set that has to be home, but he needs to be under a coach that's going to like if he was under Popovich, you'd be like, damn, Brandon Ingram can ball. Or right. if he was under Brad Stevens. You say, like, man, Brand, like Brandon Ingram can hoop, but under Luke Walton and playing under LeBron, you're not gonna get, you're, you're not gonna be able to say that for him. He has to go to a coach that's going to help him hone his skills and use the fact, uh, uh, use his ability because he could be like a a, 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 a B version of Kevin Durant if he put in oh, work. Oh, for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure. Yeah, he's got to get to the right coach. Definitely. So. Um, you know, I, I, LA, I just, I don't see that happening personally, just, just based off of the way I get, like, you know, LeBron and Katie are homeboys, but 
man, I think that's a far reach, man. I could see Kawhi going to LA before KD going to LA personally. Um, if I can KD, see Anthony Davis going. I can see Anthony Davis coming to La La Land too. But it's, I mean, there's a gut feeling, BB, and this might be the fan side of me as opposed to the analyst side of me saying that somehow KD stays, even if they do another one-on-one deal with him. I think somehow they figure out how to keep KD. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if somehow they can keep KD and Clay, like, there's just no way I can see Draymond staying. Like, I I, I don't know, man. Like, at this point, I mean, you know, you got so many fours that are running around here doing the things that Draymond's doing. You know, I think I think you could see I, – I, I, I just can't see KD really going anywhere. I know there's talks that he wants to go to New York, but that's a dumpster fire on its own self, you know, with James Dolan uh, running the team. Uh, you know, I know they got a lot of money, and supposedly Kyrie may not be staying in Boston as it is too. So it's going to be interesting to see what this NBA offseason is going to look like. There's a lot of marquee free agents out there. We just naming what three people. Um, you still got, uh, you know, uh, Boogie Cousin comes off the books. Uh, Kawhi Leonard's on a one and one deal over there. Jimmy Butler, uh, you know, he hasn't committed to uh, staying with uh, Philadelphia. Um, so you know, it's, the NBA offseason is going to be looking mean, bro, bro. Oh yeah, it will be, bro. And speaking of Mr. Uh, Jimmy Butler, man, it's time to, uh, you know, let me just move on there. I thought last week um, we talked about Jimmy Butler figuring out where he's going to go. You know, there was rumblings about him possibly going down to H-Town where you're at for, you know, an astronomical amount of assets that they were asking for. Um, and turns out that they went to another team that has a whole bunch of assets in the Philadelphia 76ers, got rid of Mark uh, Robert Covington, uh, Sarge Sarek, and... Uh, uh, a, a second round pick in the 2020 uh, draft for Jimmy Butler on a, a one in, a one and done deal, basically with basically making meaning the Philadelphia is going all in um, by getting Jimmy Butler. Man, what do you think of the trade? Man, you like it, love it, hate it, or not? <laughs> uh, I, I don't. I don't like it. The reason why I don't like it is because people are not looking at the dynamic, the dynamics of what the Philadelphia 76ers were last year, and that was a a, a, a team with the good point guard, a team with a great big man, but shooters around both of them. Now they don't have that. They just have J.J. Redick, and so actually they've gotten weaker. They don't have any shooters. They have four people who need the paint, and one person who can create his own shot if he doesn't have... I mean, I'm sorry, one person that'll shoot the three if he doesn't have to create his own shot. J.J. Redick, the, the key to beating Philadelphia last year for Boston, it's Boston that put them out, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was Boston. Six games, I think. Four yeah. or five or six games. Brad Stevens made J.J. Reddick put the ball on the floor. J.J. Reddick doesn't like to put the ball on the floor. So he made him dribble to get his own shot off, and he couldn't handle it. So if you make J.J. Reddick do that, right, now you've eliminated him. You got Jimmy Butler, who needs to paint. Markel Fultz, who needs to paint. Ben Simmons, who needs to paint. And Joel Embiid, who needs to paint. So what do you do? You just sag off. I mean, if, if worse come to worse, you'll make you make Jimmy Butler beat you with a bunch of mid-range jump shots if he can hit those consistently. I mean, it's sad. I think, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Joel Embiid is like the second or third best three-point shooter on their team. When you're center, is that way yeah. when you and you're not running like the Hampton Five or the death lineup of the Warriors? Mm -hmm. When your center shoots like that, you, you're in trouble. So, you know, I don't think that I, I think that Jimmy Butler was was a head case and a problem later on with Minnesota. But before that, there's been no, you know, trouble. So I don't think he's going to have any issues going to the Philadelphia 76ers. I just don't know how effective they can be when, when they need a three-pointer or when they get down. Because Milwaukee, if I'm not mistaken, the Milwaukee Bucks leads the NBA 
and three pointers attempt, uh, three pointers made, if I'm not mistaken. And so, what are you going to do when you get down to, you know, to a team like Milwaukee or you get down to the Toronto Raptors and it's hard for you to come back? Yeah, man, it's going to be really, really interesting. And uh, kind of to piggyback off of what you said, I'm, actually, the caveat, actually, Jimmy Butler did kind of start some uh, smoke up there in uh, Chicago on his last year there with Rondo and uh, Dwayne Wade being there, um, with Rondo being really, really hard on the young players that were on the team. I forgot who was, I forgot the rookies that were there. I think like Bobby Portis and a couple other folks that were there. And they caused a little bit of a, a skirmish, and that's when... Uh, Jimmy Butler kind of came to the aid of the young players. So he was already kind of on his way out of Chicago. So he kind of got ran up out of Chicago. He goes to Minnesota and starts some stuff, which, I mean, I can't really blame him on this one because Andrew Wiggins and Colin Anthony Towns has just been, I mean, at least for Andrew Wiggins' sake, I mean, he's just been a complete, I'm, I'm going to say it, he's been a bust. Like, I don't understand why the Timberwolves gave him that fat contract before the start of last season. And I kind of don't really, I understand why they gave it to, uh, to Carl Anthony Towns this year, but I mean, I'm not gonna lie, like they've they they've been a huge disappointment. Um, but to go back off of what Jimmy Butler, like Jimmy Butler, really right now, Jimmy Butler can he has to be on his best behavior. So he's gonna have to be patient with um Joel and beating his trolling. Ben Simmons, you know, out here dating, I think he dates one of the Kardashians, uh, doing whatever it is that he's doing. And then you got Markel Fultz, who's just a head case who just he fries out. I mean, he out here double double clutching free throw shots last time I checked last night. Um, so it, it's going to be interesting to see how Jimmy Butler acts. And like you said, um, I mean, they're saying that they got three top 20 players. I mean, yes, Jimmy Butler is probably a top 20 player in the league, but I mean, he's probably right there at 19, 20. But I mean, I think I could think of maybe four or five other players right there today that can plug in and play outside of him. So it's going to be interesting. I think this does make him better. I've never really been a fan of Robert Covington. I don't still don't really understand how he was a first team all NBA defense player last year. Um, I know he's a great knockdown shooter, but as far as what he does on the defense side of the ball, I didn't see nothing that really he did that kind of brought to my attention. So um, it's going to be interesting to see what takes place, man, with uh with the Jimmy B trade. Now, does this make them a top three team in the East? Yes or no? Uh, no. And let me, let I me don't say think so. Let me say something right quick before we finish this segment. Uh, one, so I don't like Andrew Wiggins, but that's just because I don't like Andrew Wiggins. And, you know, I, I, I he does get beside himself. I mean, last year he said he's not a third option. He should be like a first. If not a first, he should be like right under Jimmy Butler. So, I, I, I don't like him for those comments. But by the same mm-hmm. token, when you look at the play of Carl Anthony Towns and when you look at the play of Andrew Wiggins, is that not a direct reflection of their coach, Tom Thibodeau? Like, when has he ever been a good coach? Like, he's great on the defense end. He can put together defensive schemes. We know what he did in Boston uh, when they mm-hmm. were on their run with the big three. So we know mm-hmm. how he transformed, you know, what he did for Kevin Garnett. But he's not a head coach, and I don't know why people keep making him a head coach because he's not. I mean, if you heard uh, uh, Joe Kim Noah talk about him and, and, you know, some of the former players, they tell you he's not a good coach, not a good head coach. He's a defensive coordinator. I mean, he's a defensive uh, defensive coach at best. Um, mm-hmm. And then the, um, uh, the second thing is when it comes to Joel Embiid, we talked about this earlier um, on the show this morning. You know, they were asking me, do I like Joel Embiid? And I do. I do like Joel Embiid, but I, I don't like people who can dish it out, but they can't take it. Um, on last night, Joel Embiid hit a step back three on Hassan Whiteside, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, he went to the sidelines showing what he did to Hassan Whiteside. But my thing is, well, why didn't you reenact when uh, Sabonis from the Pacers jammed on you? Jammed on you. 
Yeah, he poked on some vicious too the other day. I forgot about you that. Uh, so he, <laughs> he, he he disappeared off Twitter. Yeah, he sure did fall off the face of the world. Um, you know, even if he sat there and said, "Ah, you know, you got me good on that one," you know, that'd have been cool too. Or I'm gonna come back and get you next time. You know, something. You know, like you said, you can't stay in the kitchen if you can't take the heat. What's the old saying? If you can't get in, the, take the heat, get out the kitchen, something like that. Yep. Yeah, he definitely needs to live by that because you know he definitely can dish it, but he sure can't take it. So. I mean, it's all fun and games, but until somebody really wants, who's about that action gets up in his face, then this might be curtains for him. But, uh, moving on, man. Uh, what else? Uh, 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 oh, that's what happened today, man. Something that's unique, man. Um, I think I may have to eat some words, BB. I think I think it's 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 the time has come for me to sit there and man up and uh, you know, like like we just said about Joel Embiid. I you know I got to be able to dish and I got to sit there and eat some of these punches, man. I think the Kansas City Chiefs are legit, bro. Well, I told you. <laughs> I don't think they're the best team in the in the NFL, but they are legit. I think I think I might have to eat my words and say I'm, I've been waiting on them on like clockworks and to fall on their face, but I don't think it's gonna come anytime soon. With that being said, man, uh, you know Monday this Monday night is probably by far the best like game probably of the year. I know we had uh, Kansas City against uh, the New England Patriots. That was a really, really good game. The Saints against the Rams was another good game that came across my mind, but uh, this game that was supposed to be in Mexico is now reverting back to um, L.A. Uh, uh, this Monday night, man. And bro, Speaking of Monday Night Football, man, they've had some some lame ducks like last night like who wanted to watch the New York Giants against the San Francisco 49ers like I'm glad they able to rebound off of this one next week but uh you know the, I, I didn't know if you heard but you know Shakira the worldwide you know, renowned star um had a concert like I think like a, a month ago and they haven't been able to get the field together and the, did you see the pictures of the field bro like I have uh man the, 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 you gotta google some of them images of the field of what it looked like as of yesterday bro like I don't even think like some places in the in Houston, uh, uh, like the Pop Warner teams would have played on some of this, on, on on what this this field looks like. But it looks like now they're moving back to LA. Man, is this by far probably the game of the year, man? Uh, you say it's probably the good, the best game of the year. Yeah, are we looking at to get a, a possible Super Bowl matchup? I should say. Oh no, nope, okay. nope, and no. Well, I put it like this: you're looking at one participant. That will that 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 could possibly be in the uh, in the Super Bowl in the Kansas City Chiefs, but there's by far man, listen, the New Orleans Saints are head and shoulders above the Los Angeles Rams, and the I fact think that, so too. I and, think and so the Rams, too. Yeah, and the Rams, Cooper Cup. No, they're no. Mm-hmm. Man. Yeah, no, they did. They lost. You right? If that you right? If, if that front four, even that front seven, don't get enough. Uh, pressure on the quarterback, they get killed. I mean, that that defense allowed Drew Brees to put 45 points up on them. And I understand they don't have to lead. If they had to lead, then you know it may be a little bit different in that in that in that defensive backfield. Marcus Peters is doing too much. He's trying to do too much and he can't do it all by himself. Well here's the thing about Marcus Peters, man. Marcus Peters I think was his either his rookie year or his second year. He gave up the most touchdowns, but also had the most interceptions thrown his way. Um, so Marcus Peters is a huge gambler. Shout out to Marcus Peters out of Oakland, California, by the way, too. Um, uh, Marcus Peters is a is a, a huge risk taker. So yes, he is a great cornerback, but yet he takes a lot of risks. And like you said, he does. He is part of the YouTube Much Club. Um, what I don't understand is Aaron Donald. I think has like ten sacks, and you still got Ndamukong Sue. They just got Dante Fowler Jr. Um, they got a couple other uh, beasts up there. I don't understand how they're not able to apply more pressure 
to sit there and get these quarterbacks down and give up these this many points. And I get a key, like you said, a keep to leave is out, but I don't think a keep to leave makes that much of a difference uh, in the defensive backfield, man. You say you don't think I, I didn't hear that last part. You don't think a, uh, Talib will make a big difference in that defensive backfield? I, I don't think I think he will, but I don't think he's going to be able to get, go from a team that's giving up 35, 45 points down to 27 to 28 points a game. You think so? Yeah, man. Talib shuts down the whole side, bro. Like he shuts down the whole side and he's a bully. So Talib from Dallas, man. And you know, he out here snatching chains and everything, shooting his own dang on self in the club. But. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, Talib is one of those. Talib is one of those shutdown corners that benefits a lot from a good front seven. Now, remember when he was in Denver? They had Von Miller and everybody across that front, so they're getting the pressure. He can play mm-hmm. uh, free. Once he comes back, and, and with you know Aaron Donald and then Dominican Sue, the way they're playing, like he's going to have free range of motion, bro. Here's my yeah. thing, though. I don't know if he's going to be healthy enough to come back this year. Yeah, I know they said I think it was like a, 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 a bad ankle sprain or something like that. So I, I mean, even yeah, if he 30. does come, yeah. So even if he does come back, like that's a huge risk that they're taking, man. Yeah. So um, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. But I definitely think uh, the boys down in the five hundred four, man. Uh, I think they got the NFL. Like I didn't realize how good they were until I watched the Saints Rams game last week, and then I turn around and I sit and see and put a 50, 51 or fifty two spot up on the. Uh, on the Bengals this past week, but I definitely think the New Orleans Saints have kind of low-key kind of taken that uh, crown of the best team possibly in the NFC, man. Bro, um, they you got to think about it. They scored on nine. Excuse me, I cut you off, but so they had the ball 10 times. They scored nine possessions, and the 10th possession that they had the ball, they took a knee. That's the only reason they didn't score. Well, you also got to think about it, too. Like I was about to say, uh, you know, if they were just a missed tackle away from going to the NFC Championship game and possibly, you know, I think they would have beat the Eagles if it wasn't for that fluky play in the divisional game against the Vikings. So, you know, who's to sit there and say that, you know, that what they had last year is just carrying over to this year, too? Exactly. I say the exact same thing. So, uh, one more thing, BB, before we get up out of here, man, and that's just, I, it slipped my mind, but uh, it just came back to me, man. Uh, you cover the Rockets, right? Yeah, I do. Man, what is going on down there? Because the nation, here's the thing. Is Melo on the team? Is Melo not on the team? Is Melo getting moved? Is Melo not getting moved? Is Melo getting the blame or is Melo not getting the blame? Because I've seen so many conflicting reports about Carmelo. And my thing is, yes, they escape, you know, they make escape, the scapegoat on Carmelo Anthony, but I don't see where they're, they're, where the root cause is because I don't think that being that you let go of Luke Rashad Mute and Trevor Ariza go, and picking up Carmelo Anthony was an addition by subtraction. You feel me? So yeah. it's, I, I'm trying to figure out why the, why the blame is on Melo when, you know, really this isn't I, – I, I'm going to go out on the limb and say it. I don't think this is his fault. I don't think Melo wants to be here anymore, to be honest with you. Melo, Can you blame him? Uh, I, well, here's the thing. I said it, and, then, you know, you know me, I love being right like I was with the Khalil Mack thing, but sh- <laughs> don't tell nobody that. Don't Don't tell anybody – don't tell anybody that Big Sarge is right about <laughs> improving the game of Mitchell Trubisky. And I said that right here on the Sports Business Podcast. But you did. Uh, here's the thing. I, I, I told people, you don't want Carmelo Anthony. He's a former shell of himself. I watched him play all his games last year at Oklahoma City because I'm an Oklahoma City Thunder fan. And if he can't, if he couldn't thrive in a traditional offense, there's no possible way that he's going to come and thrive in an offense where you just shoot a bunch of threes when he's not a three-point shooter. Carmelo does not want to go in the post and actually use his skills as a bigger body 
and score and with, with score there and score with mid-range jumpers. Carmelo still has in his mind that he's a 2012 Carmelo and he's not. Also, here's the thing when it comes down. I don't know if you remember, uh I, I don't know if you remember this. When Vince Young came out of the University of Texas and got drafted by the Tennessee Titans, there was a big rift between Bud Adams, the owner, and Jeff Fisher, the coach. Jeff Fisher did not want Vince Young. Bud Adams said, I own this team. I signed the check. I pick whoever in the hell I want to pick. That's the exact <laughs> same thing that's going on down here in, in Houston, Texas, where uh, Daryl Morey is a huge Carmelo Anthony fan, but Mike D'Antoni isn't. Jeff Bizdelic uh, is not the former, well, the guy that's coming out of retirement. To the defensive coordinator, right? Yeah, so you remember he used to be the coach for the Nuggets when Carmelo mm-hmm. was there. And Carmelo set out. They went out on a six-game winning, uh, six-game losing streak. They fired, uh, they fired uh, Bizdelic, and then Carmelo comes back and plays 42 minutes the next night after he was supposedly had such a sprained ankle. So, you know, Daryl Morey sold uh, Fertitta, who was the owner, on bringing in Carmelo. But those two, Mike D'Antoni never wanted Carmelo. Side note, not to cut you off. Did you know the Fertitta, the Fertitta brothers own like half of Las Vegas? Uh, I didn't know that. I know they gangster though. I know they yeah, gangster. They, yeah, they got on like a mean a boatload of casinos out here in Vegas. Hey, bro, <laughs> my bad. I, I just want to throw that in there. Hey, listen, let me tell you something. Somebody came out and said something about uh about Fertitta not um owning Tillman Fertitta not paying for some buildings or something downtown. Yeah, mm. that that story went away quickly, bro. Yeah, quickly. Yeah, like, yeah. Ain't nobody yeah, ever, like that. and I ain't nobody else heard from the person who made the accusation. So anyway, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he can't, but here it is with, with, with Carmelo Anthony, man. I, I don't know what was going on. I said this on air today. I, like, I feel like the Rockets are doing the the, the uh, citizens and the, the residents, excuse me, of Houston wrong. If Carmelo played in Los Angeles, if Carmelo played in Atlanta, if Carmelo played in Charlotte, and he was out with the undisclosed illness from Saturday till now, I'd be like, well, dang, I wonder what's wrong with Carmelo. But, man, listen, I live in the city of Houston. If he got something, I need to know, is it airborne? Do I need to not go down to the Toyota Center? Do I not need to touch anything that Carmelo has or has been around? Like, listen, hey, 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 Eric. Eric. So he's not. Carmelo Carmelo didn't play against San Antonio on Saturday. He didn't play against Indiana on Sunday. He's not playing against the Nuggets tonight, and if he sits out against the Warriors, I guarantee you on Friday, it's going to be somebody in the city of Houston going like this. Uh, uh hello? Hey, hey, sir, how you doing? This is Daryl. What's going on, Daryl? How you doing, man? Why you not at work? Man, I got that Carmelo, man. <laughs> I got I got that Carmelo. What do you mean you have the Carmelo, Daryl? I mean, you know, because Carmelo been out for almost a whole week with an undisclosed injury. Yeah. So whatever, whatever's making him sick, I got sick too. Look, he's so sick that now they say Mike D'Antoni is sick and PJ Tucker is sick. <laughs> like they show he's going through a lot to hide that they're about to cut Carmelo. But <laughs> I got that Carmelo. I ain't gonna be able to come in till Monday. <laughs> yeah, man, that's crazy, man. I, and I, yeah, I forgot about the undisclosed illness that they said that he got. I only just sit there and say that he just he he rested or something like that, man. But uh, what I, what people fail to realize, and I brought this uh, brought this point up about Melo. Every destination Carmelo Anthony's been at, he's been a team killer. Like even when his heyday in Denver, and the, don't get me wrong, like when I Carmelo is. 
Carmelo came in the league in 03, so I was still playing high school. Like, I tried to make my basketball game off of Carmelo, just off of the one dribble, pull-up, 15-footer uh, jump shot that you have. Like, Carmelo, and like, I tried to make my game off of him a little bit, just off of the way he was just able to hit that mid-range jump shot. With that being said, when the, I think people fail to realize when Allen Iverson got traded from Philly to Denver, it didn't work out, and they ended up shipping out Allen Iverson out to, I believe, Detroit and brought back in Chauncey Phillips back to his hometown. And that didn't work out. I mean, they had a mean team. I think they had Kenyon Martin, Marcus Candy, who I think won Defense Player of the Year that around that time. Um, Andre Miller was on that team. Like that team went all the way to the Western Conference Finals, and they didn't get it together. Um, what people felt to realize for the first time in New York when they ended up, you know, New York was actually a decent team with the squad that they had. I think Amari Stoudemire's first year in New York, and they bring Carmelo Anthony um, that same season right around the All Star break. And it just started going downhill. Like, they just didn't figure it out. Then you bring in Lynn Sant. Jeremy Lynn uh, ends up uh, going going out there, uh, balling out. Then he goes to uh, to uh, Oklahoma City. And, you know, they, they just don't look good. And now now he's going over to the Rockets. And I'm not going to say he's a team killer on this one. But, like, everywhere Carmelo Anthony's been, these teams have been really, really excellent. And they've just gone down from being this high-profile team down to a very mediocre team and barely making the cusp of going into the playoffs. Yeah, exactly, man. I, I, You know, I made the case the other day. I said, listen, uh, this happened to be Monday, as a matter of fact. So Monday was just yesterday. Wow, look at that, man. I lost track of days already. And it's just yeah, Tuesday. Yeah. I'm telling you. Uh, yeah, I made, <laughs> case, like I made a case to the Houston Rockets fans. I was like, you know, you could have kept Brian Anderson if you were going to, <laughs> to get Carmelo Anthony because, and I understand, Carmelo's cheaper. They only paying like $2 million. $2 million, million. yeah. Oklahoma mm-hmm. City paid $20 million to get rid of. So mm-hmm. that tells you a lot. But, I mean, two years ago, Ryan Anderson, when he was actually getting a lot of playing time, was averaging 13.4 points a game. That's about the same amount that Carmelo is averaging. And his three-point shooting was higher. Now you say, well, Carmelo plays better defense than Ryan Anderson. Just barely. Like, just Yeah, that's barely. not saying much, though, but that's really not... I mean, Ryan Anderson, I mean, I think me, you could go out there and, and give a little bit more effort than what Ryan Anderson was doing on the defensive side of the ball, so... Well, well, you, mean, that well you just looking at it from... You looking at the Ryan Anderson that got done up in the Golden State Warriors series in game set. I mean, in the, in the Western Conference Finals. You can't look at it like that, but... <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not a big Ryan Anderson fan, but, I, you know, the, the, the problem is with the Rockets. Everybody on the Rockets gets set up because they switch so much. They don't play traditional defense where you stay with your man. They switch right. everything. That's why Yeah, they, they do. Beat. They do. Yeah, that's why they get beat so much. That's why they have a uh I mean, out of the five games that they've won, the five games they won, uh the teams are like 25 and 30. Yeah, 25 mm-hmm. and 30. And then on the flip side, the teams they lost to you know, they got a combined record of 55. I think it's like 55 and 30 or something like that. Uh, but the, the Rockets get beat by teams who move the ball and just wait till they create the mismatch. That's how Dame Lillard. Dame Lillard was like, we just waited till they got the mismatch and then we just took advantage of Clint, whoever Clint Capella was holding. Right. Let me ask you this. One last thing about this Miller situation and we're going to wrap it up, man. Do you think they pulled the plug on it too early? Because what is it, like 12, 12, 12, 13 games in the season already? Something like that? Well, let me ask you this: If you went out, if you if you went out with a chick two times, and it, uh, the the two times y'all went out, she wanted you to take her to the most expensive places and wine and dine her, and you said to yourself, "Well, wait a minute, I ain't even got my check this month yet," and so you still, still want to go out to all these places. 
you could tell yourself pretty early that you don't want to be with her, right? It depends, man. It depends on what I'm getting on the back end. Uh, like when the lights go out, it all is the same, Eric. I mean, yeah, but yeah, (laughs) yeah, this is true. This is true, but I mean, that's what I'm saying. They don't need, I don't, how much of a sample size, more of a sample size do you need for to know that you don't need Carmelo Anthony on your team? I mean, I mean, this is true. Um, I just, I mean, what is it, 82 games of the season, so you break it up into, what, 15 to 20 game stretches? Yeah, I guess you're right. I think you, I think I think 13 games is probably a good sample size to see enough is enough. But at the same time, you know, James Harden, you know, he's been missing a couple of games. I mean, I don't really hear nothing about Chris Paul anymore besides sitting there and sticking up for his banana boat homeboy. Other than that, I haven't really seen anything that he's done this season. Um, he leads if, the league in steals, though. I mean... Okay. Okay. He leads the league in steals. Um, let me ask you this question, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll wrap it up. Can the Rockets turn around with the subtraction of Melo? What did they What did they do at the end of this? So did they get rid of Melo and then fill in the blank. No, I'm gonna listen. Here, here's my here's my sports business hot take. I don't even know if we have music for that. Can we? I just go. <laughs> Big Sarge's sports business hot take. I'm going to tell you what the Houston Rockets need to do. They need to call Danny Ainge and find out whatever they need to do to get Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward will not is not going to be good in that Boston Celtics. Uh, I don't think so either. I don't think he is either. He'll be great uh, for the Houston Rockets. That would be a... Uh... That would be a nice little. I mean, that would that actually would make a lot of sense. Just being the fact that the Celtics have just, I think they got just too too damn much stuff going. They got too many assets over there, man. Like sometimes having too much isn't good for you. If you know what I'm saying. So what you do is so pick up some of those, pick up from the Rockets some of those uh, contracts that they're trying to get rid of. You know they don't need any more draft picks, and and, and you know let them pick up Gordon Hayward's salary and go from there. Gordon Hayward in the Houston Rockets system would be an all-star again. Because what does he have to do? In, in Boston, he's steady trying to compete with the more athletic... Tatum, Tatum and uh, Brown. Jalen Brown. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, you're never going... You're not going to make... It's too much athleticism up there. And that's what Gordon Hayward is being... Exposed, that's what Gordon Hayward is being exposed at in that Boston Celtics um, offense. Because... The, you look at it and you'd be like, well, damn, when, when Brown is in, he do everything that Gordon mm-hmm. Hayward. And then once they put Gordon Hayward in, they got to slow the offense down because yep. they got to get him shots. Yep, you put sure. him down here and put him in a corner, any corner he wants to be in, James Harden is going to get him the ball. Or Chris Paul will get him the ball. Or or what they do is they can sit there and see before uh, a certain gentleman's able to uh, unpack his bags good enough up in Minnesota and see if they can try to get Robert Covington. Uh, you know what? That you know, that's a good Mr. Town Business with the sports business hot take. I would, I would try to see if I can get, I would try to see if I can get the likes of Robert Covington down in H Town. I think I would, I think I would make that phone call. Do you know immediately? Do you know? I that, think I would. You know, the Timberwolves turned down Eric Gordon, Nene, and two first round picks. From yeah, the I mean. They ain't done some of the smartest business. I mean, you know, it is what it is with the boys, you know. I don't know. I don't know what they can do, but I definitely like Gordon Hayward. I think I would reach out to Robert Covington before you uh before they uh make make up his jersey immediately, bro. Exactly. Exactly. Man, man, with that being said, man, it's time for the big dummy today, man. I feel like we can do one in a minute. 
man, this been wild. Right. Man. So I'm gonna let you I'm gonna let you have the flow, man. Okay. I, I don't know if you got to hear mine from last week at the airport incident, but I didn't get to hear know, it all. I, I'll go back and listen to it. Yeah. So here's my thing. I can I'm gonna give a sm- like a small uh uh big dummy, and then I'm going to give a big sorry salute. So I'm gonna come, okay. I'm gonna use half and half of my time. All right. So okay. my first my uh my first big dummy award goes to um uh Senator um Hyde Smith. Who's running? Uh, uh, mm. Who's running out uh, in Mississippi? Who's in a runoff mm. actually with the African American gentleman for uh, for a Senate seat? Who says that uh, she would go to a public hanging with one of the ranchers if he invited her to a public hanging? She would go, and I'm saying to myself, that's about the dumbest thing that I think that anybody could say in the state of Mississippi, where they did public hangings, like they will still do them today if they can get away with it. So mm-hmm. you can't say that you're running against an African African American um, candidate, and you're going to say something about a public hanging. Then you say your words are misconstrued. Oh, well, wait a minute, though, Eric, it gets better. Uh, you would think that that you know they would try to come out and put some type of spin on it and, and, and try to make it go away. No, now you have the governor of Mississippi coming out saying, "But what about the the 20 million ba- abortion?" Uh, what about the 20 million abortions that African American women get? Is that not genocide? Are they not killing? What? They're, oh yeah, yeah. It's, what? It's crazy, bro. I would not want to live in the state of Mississippi. But what would you expect from the state that's in the lower 40th percentile when it comes to education and in the lower 40th percentile when it comes to poverty? And yet yeah. they still punch the ticket for number 45. So you see what, what? I'm saying? Look yeah, that's not saying too state, much. Man. Yeah, it's not. That's not saying too much. You know, people who have an individual thought process and think like a, a, a human being supposed to be thinking. You know, it, it comes a day and age where you know you just don't say the things, and it kind of goes back to um, the governor race in Florida, where the guy who was running against the brother down there said something like uh, monkeys, or you know, he made another re- reference about monkeys, and you know, try to play it off like. Yes, yes. Yeah. Like, do, 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 do people in these public figures, they, do they not have a PR person to sit there and say, hmm, I don't know if I'm, I'm running against the African-American, the words monkey, um, the N-word, lynching, anything that, like, there has to be some type of alert or something that sets them off to saying, you know, as much as I want to sit there and say that, I don't think it's a good move for me to do. So I, I don't understand the thought process on some of these people. Doesn't make any sense, man. So yeah, so U.S. Senator Cindy Hyde Smith is the one who said about the public hanging that she would, if if the rancher invited her to a public hanging, she'd go. And Governor Phil Bryant is the one who said that 20 million African American children, uh, uh, the genocide of 20 million African American children through legal abortion. So he's saying that black women, all black women, kill their babies because that's a lot of that's a lot of babies being killed. 20 million is a lot. So. With, with that being said, let me end, end my segment, mine, with a big star salute. And, uh, hey, Jared Goff, boy, I swear, for goodness, if I was around you anywhere, I'd high-five you. Boy, the scream out Halle, uh, Halle Berry and the have her at you on Twitter. Boy, you And you know she like white men anyway. You better uh, check her <laughs> up on that, Jared Goff. Don't, don't waste <laughs> this opportunity. Do what you need to do, young man. You see what she said. Do something to make me feel special. Hey man, I forgot all about that, bro. Yeah, Jerry Goff, you better go shoot your shot, bro. You got the green light, bro. Exactly. Go. Collect your two hundred and go. Exactly. Uh, I'm a uh, ooh, I, uh, okay. I'm gonna give a funny 
a funny big dummy. I'm gonna give two two big dummies, and I'm pressed for time, so I'm gonna wrap it up. LeBron James uh, deserves half of my big dummy. And I'm not gonna be well. He, LeBron James, do you not have any common sense? I don't know if you saw this article. I think by Bleacher Report that said that uh, early a few weeks ago, LeBron James was at his. He was almost about to be at his breaking point. Uh, with the with the status of uh, the Los Angeles Lakers, like LeBron James, did you not know what you was getting yourself into when you signed that four year contract? Like, did you think you were just walking into a championship contender team? Like, bruh, Ryan Anderson could have told you, bro, like that you wasn't walking into a a a a a, a, a gold mine. Like, what did you think that you didn't have to put in no work? Like, what 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 are you what were you thinking? So LeBron James, needless to say, man, the the simple fact that you came out in public and said that you were on the verge of cracking. You deserve the big dummy of the day, man. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you got a little mirage in your eyes or what, but uh, you know you need to get it together because it's the the, the, the quicksand is uh, drowning on you real fast. My second big dummy of the day is um, out there in Chicago suburbs, man. Of uh, I hope I get this brother's name right, Jamil Roberson. Yeah. Um, the police department out there, and I can't think of the city uh, off the top of my head, but I know it's right side outside of Chicago. So Jamil Roberson, I believe, was a security guard. I believe at a bar. Um, he was at, there was a situation that took place. This guy was just belligerently drunk. He goes out, um, says, I'll be back and I'm shooting up all y'all. Comes back and brings a gun. Jamil Roberson is the security guard at the bar, subdues the, um, the suspect and has the weapon pointed to this guy's back and is telling somebody to call the police. The police rolls up on this guy and point blank and shoots this dude. No questions asked, just shot him. Shot the security guard doing his job. When are we going to stop doing this? Uh, when are we going to have a desensitized part of police officers just shooting innocent black men? Now we now now what's the excuse now? We didn't know what was going on when there's witnesses on camera saying, "Do not shoot that guy. He's doing his job. He works here. Do not shoot him." And yet you still shoot him. When when here's my thing, DB. When when are people going to stop defending senseless crimes? Well, the cop was doing his job. He shouldn't have had a gun. Well, if the job description that's like me, that's like me sitting there detaining somebody out here at, at uh, Fort Stewart or something like that, detain somebody. I just came from the gun range. I came from the range. I just happened to have my weapon still loaded up or whatever. And I had to detain somebody because they was acting a fool and the MPs roll up on me and they shoot me just because I like because I had a weapon and I was doing my job. Like, come on. When are people gonna stop sitting there trying to give these people scapegoats and saying, Oh, well, they're just doing their job. Well, if the person would have announced himself that he was a security guard, like, what do you want this guy to do? Like, what what more could he do? He had the weapon pointing on the suspect. He has witnesses saying, do not shoot this guy. He actually works here. And yet you still shoot him and don't even ask questions. There needs to be something, BB, where if you're going to be a cop, I don't care what kind of cop you are, county, city, state, there needs to be a centralized place like we do in basic training, where if you're going to be a cop in these places, these states need to just sit there and have one location, one or two locations around the country, and it just needs to be a lottie dotty everybody type of uh, state funding where everyone just puts in, and they sit there and do a better way of training, because this is just getting out of hand, baby. It is. Well, you, now here's the thing. Better way of better way of training them how to do their job, or better way of dealing with African-American males? Both, both. It needs to be both, man. Because I already got dealt with racism last week at the LA airport, um, and you know it could have got ugly there. So um, they need to, There needs to be some type of communication on how to deal with our brothers and sisters out here now. Yeah, and, and uh, here's the thing. I'm gonna, and then I, you know, I know we got to end the show, but you know, I said this to a friend the other day before this happened. I said, uh, don't be surprised if there's a a, a crime committed against an African American male by a law enforcement official. And, and I said in the read, she said, well, how, why would you say that? 
I said the reason why I'm saying that is because in Florida and Georgia, we're getting too close to two states about to elect a black governors, one female, mm. one male. We're getting entirely too close to switch the narrative. And and I'm not saying I advocated for a young man to be killed. I'm not saying that I didn't want the young. I'm not saying that that this is what happened. But it just seemed like what we're getting too close. So now they got to shift the narrative and get get us angry and riled up about something else, so we can forget about the voting and doing voting. So that's just my that's just my thing. I didn't I didn't think nobody would get killed. I just thought that it would be a you know some type of crime on the African American male by a law enforcement official because that's what I always seem like they go to to try to get us riled up to take our focus off the main thing so that's all I got bro yeah man and like I said you know I've read a lot about uh, I've read a, for a majority piece of uh, Jermaine Robeson um, this guy was heavily involved in his church um, just positive and he ironically he wanted to be a police officer and once again, we have another life that's taken away at something that's just so stupid where if you actually just take two seconds just to like ask the question, um, ask the question of what are you doing or just put the weapon down, um, you know, their, their lives could be saved, you know, and, you know, and I'm not stalling the cop out, but you also got to look at the cop side too, like this dude, the person, the cop who, who pulled the trigger is going to have to live with that for the rest of their life. Whether in wrong, right, or different, whatever they did, they're going to have to live with that decision for the rest of their life. So um, I hope they figure it out. But those are my two big dumbest, man. So, DB, that being said, tell them where they can find you at, bro, because I think we're going to have to go another five minutes on where they can find you these days. Oh, man. <laughs> and listen, if you go to Big Star Sports, you can see Big Star Sports with the Z. You can see, uh, find me on, on Instagram, on Twitter, and on uh, Facebook. And you can also uh, listen to me live in the mornings on, on my Facebook page on uh Big Star Sports, Houston Preeminence Radio, KTXF on the TuneIn app. You can also listen to uh, Truston from 7 to 10 with Jason Braddock on KTXF, Houston Preeminence Radio. And then at, from 3 to 5 p.m. Central Standard Time, you can listen to Sports Talk with Big Sarge on the legendary K-Wild K and the all-new 92.3 FM. Quick question, baby. Like, are these radio stations by each other? Or like, how are you able to just to be able to bounce from all over the whole city, Houston, bro? Man, so one is downtown, and then one is like <laughs> one. So I drive down. So this is my commute. I drive from from where I live to to downtown Houston is forty miles. So I drive <laughs> forty miles into downtown Houston, and then from there, once I leave from there, I come back headed towards my house. And the, the next station that I do in the evenings is maybe about 20, about 20 miles from my house. So on the way back, I stop and I'll do that show. And then I'll just come on home. Hey, man, we need to get we, we need to get a GoFundMe for uh, sports business hybrid vehicles, man, because uh, you sound like you need a hybrid, bro. I know, uh, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, I need an Uber. Can you got somebody who's trying Uber for me? Uh, I can tell you, let me, let me find my resources anyways. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, and my name is Eric Compton, aka This Town Business. You can find me on Instagram at Money Compton. You can find me on Facebook at Eric Compton. Please email the show at sportsbusiness, that's S-P-O-R-T-Z-B-I-Z-N-E-S-S at gmail.com. Other than that, BB, uh, any alibi fires? If not, we out, bro. All right, man. Hey! We out. <laughs>